Acts 20, Part 1, from the sermon series, Acts of the Holy Spirit, spoken by Pastor Clayton Chan. For the last year or so, we've been moving through a series called Acts of the Holy Spirit. We've been learning about the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church. And so to continue our series this morning, what I want to talk about is encouragement. Have you ever been so encouraged that it lifted your spirit? One of the greatest encouragements that I've received was actually at a staff retreat. One of the defining characteristics of our staff retreat is crying. Right? We have a lot of criers on staff. Uh, what I, like to call, I like to call them emotion-full people. Right? But I'm not one of those. I rarely cry. But there was this one time where I was almost moved to tears. So at every retreat, we always have this time of affirmation where we go around and encourage one another. And so I sat there. And I actually don't usually like affirmation time because I'm not really good at receiving encouragement. And I also don't like all eyes on me, but I just sat there waiting and waiting. And then I heard someone say, Clay, you are like a young Kevin Swanson. <laughs> right? For those of you who don't know Kevin, Kevin is our former executive pastor. He's now in Chicago. But when I heard those words, you are like a young Kevin Swanson, my eyes rose up and my spirit was lifted because I think Pastor Kevin is the man. He's a great husband, he's a great father, he's so wise and knowledgeable about so many different things, but what, most, but what I admire most about him is that he's a man of God. He lives out his faith each and every day. And so for someone to call me a young pastor, Kevin, it brought me great joy and gladness. I even started telling people on staff, just refer to me as young Kevin from now on. <laughs> Have you ever experienced the power of encouragement where it changed the way that you see yourself and the way that you view God. Encouragement is vital to the life of the church and its people. It's what gives us hope when we feel hopeless. It's what gives us strength when we feel weary. But I believe that many of us aren't experiencing this kind of encouragement today, even though we long for it. The encouragement that we experience oftentimes leaves us leaving, uh, feeling good about ourselves but God wants so much more than just for you to feel good about yourself. He wants you to experience his power and his presence through the encouragement of others. Today, we're gonna to be taking a look at what it looks like to be a Christ-exalting encourager and how we can experience that kind of encouragement in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 20? And we're gonna read from verse one through 12. Acts 20, one through 12. Starting with verse 1. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. 
Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. (laughs) Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Let's first address what just happened. Yes, Paul bored someone to death. Right? In the history of all preaching, this is the only time where I've heard that a person has died from a sermon. But we can't place all the blame on Paul. Right? It wasn't just Paul and his preaching that caused this. We're told that Eutychus was a young man. Most scholars agree that he's between the ages of 8 and 14, so he's young. He's a child. Children get tired easily. Right? Not only that, we're told that it's on the third floor. Heat rises. The room is filled with all these lamps, which makes it hot. Maybe that's why Eutychus was sitting by the window. And so there was this perfect storm for Eutychus to fall asleep and plummet to his death. He was young and tired. He was hot and humid. And Paul talked on and on and on. Now, we could infer that this story is about staying awake for a sermon. It is true that the word of God is a matter of life and death, but I don't think it's like death in this passage. No, this story is so much more than a warning against staying awake for a sermon. It's about the power of encouragement. At the end of the passage in verse 12, it says, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. The Greek word for comforted here is parakaleo. It comes from the same root as paraclete, which refers to the Holy Spirit. And just as the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper, our encourager, this word parakaleo means to be comforted or encouraged. Within these 12 verses that we just read, this word parakaleo shows up three times. Verse 1, verse 2, and verse 12. The passage opens up and closes with this concept of encouragement. In the beginning, we're told that after the riot in Ephesus had broken up, Paul decides to set out for Macedonia. But before he leaves, he makes sure to call the disciples together so that he can encourage them one last time. And even in his travels, as he's visiting different churches, he encourages the believers as he encounters them. As a missionary, Paul sees his ministry as kingdom building. He is building up the kingdom, and his method is to use evangelism and encouragement. Right? When we think about growing our faith, evangel- encouragement is just as important as evangelism. We need to know the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, but it's just as important that we are encouraged and are encouraged to others because there will be moments in our faith journeys where we're going to want to give up. Just look at Paul's life in this moment. He's been confronted by a riot. Last week we learned that Paul was confronted by this crowd in Ephesus because he was threatening the livelihood of people who are benefiting from the worship of Artemis. And thankfully, this city clerk stands up and quiets the crowd. But the danger doesn't end there. Right after, he gets past, right after he leaves Ephesus, we hear that once again his life is threatened. He hears of a plot against his life, and he decides to take the longer trip up north by foot to Macedonia instead of sailing to Syria where his captors could take him. 
How many times have we found ourselves in Paul's shoes? Maybe it wasn't a riot that we were facing. Maybe it wasn't people trying to take our lives. But maybe it was being given a life-threatening medical diagnosis. Or maybe it's a struggling marriage that doesn't seem to get any better. We all have faced troubles and trials of some kind, but the good news is that Jesus doesn't leave us alone to deal with those hardships. God commanded his people to encourage each other because he knows we need it. In John 16, Jesus warned that in the world you will have trouble. We live in a broken world. Sin steals joy, our bodies break down, our plans falter, and our resolve weakens. We are promised of suffering and trials of many kinds. And to paddle against the broken world, God gives us the gift of encouragement. But when the gift of encouragement is absent in the life of the church, people will feel unloved, unimportant, alone. God knows his people needs reminders of his faithfulness. And so he calls us to encourage each other each and every day until his son returns. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to spur each other on and encourage each other, but to do it well, we need to actually elevate our concept of encouragement. The type of encouragement that the Bible speaks of isn't focused on complimenting someone for their haircut or telling them how good they are at cooking. No, that kind of encouragement is needed, but it's not gonna help others to endure through the hardships that life brings. Being complimented is nice, but it's not gonna breathe life into you when you feel like you're losing control and gasping for air. The type of encouragement that the Bible speaks of in this passage is life-altering, Christ-exalting encouragement. It's not just words to make someone feel good. It is a grace-filled, life-giving encouragement that gives us the power to overcome our deepest fears, struggles, and doubts. Is our encouragement Christ-exalting? And what I mean by that is when we are encouraging others or when we're encouraged, Is it in a way that reveals Christ in one's life? When you encourage someone, are you pointing them towards God's goodness and his presence and his power? This is the type of encouragement that allowed Paul to endure through the floggings, the imprisonments, and all the threats on his life. But it's also the encouragement that we see Eutychus experience here in this passage. Eutychus and those who saw his resurrection witnessed God's power at work through Paul. A miracle had been performed, but the source of that miracle wasn't Paul, it was God. I love that after Paul, I love that Paul just goes back to eating after he raises Eutychus from the dead. It's as if he didn't want any credit for what had just happened. Because everything that happened that night was for Paul to point people to Jesus. Through the sermon, through communion, through the raising of Eutychus, Paul was pointing other people, everyone in that room, towards Jesus. People left that meeting feeling encouraged and comforted because they experienced Christ's exalting encouragement through what they had seen and by what they had heard. The encouragement that we need to endure this broken world is Christ's exalting encouragement. This kind of encouragement requires us to extend God's grace to people. 
It's to be God's hand and feet and reminding people that God is still alive today and is working for his people. So what does Christ's exalting encouragement look like? What does it look like to be an encourager? The first thing is it starts with being present. Being present. Being present is the first step of encouraging others. In verse 1, it says, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. Verse 2 says, he traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people. And later on in verse 7, it says, Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Paul made sure that he was available and present for people. Paul made sure that he was going to meet up with the disciples that he would be leaving in Ephesus. He made sure that he was available to meet with the people he encountered on his travels. He even went the extra step and sacrificed to meet with those gathered in Troas. He knew that his time with them would be short, that he would leave the next day. So he preached the longest sermon ever. It went through the whole night, and in the end, people were encouraged. Paul sacrificed sleep so that he could spend every waking moment in strengthening and encouraging the believers in Troas. By being present and fully engaged, Paul was showing those gathered that they matter. Paul went to great pains to visit the established churches because he cared for them. When we are present and fully engaged, we are showing people that they have value, that they matter. On my sabbatical a year ago, I took this carpentry intensive course in Maine. It was my way of becoming more like Jesus. I was like, Jesus was a carpenter? Maybe I should be one too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, not that extreme. Right? I just really have uh, 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 interest and uh, a joy in, I guess, woodworking. So this intensive course was great, but the one drawback about it was that it was so far away in Maine. It was a five-hour drive from New Jersey to Maine. And the school was located in this rural area of Maine where there was no cell service. All around me, all I saw was farms and cows. So I was all alone there for a whole month, not even being able to talk to my wife at, at certain times. But I am so thankful for my amazing wife because she decided to visit me while I was there. She took the five hours down from Jersey to Maine on Friday night and went back five hours back to New Jersey on Sunday so that she could spend one day with me. I know I am truly loved because of what my wife bore in driving 10 hours just to spend one day with me. And all of this while she was pregnant. I know that I am truly loved. I know that I matter. When we can be present with people, we are showing them that they matter. We are an extension of God's grace in revealing to people their God-given dignity and value. And when I say present, I mean we need to be actively engaged because we can be physically present and yet our minds and our thoughts can be all over the place. Right? Take for instance cell phones. Right? I'm preaching to myself. How many of you guys struggle to stay off of your phones when you're with people? I struggle with it all the time. My wife is always telling me, we need quality time. We need quality time. Get off your phone. We need to be present and fully engaged when we're with people. 
We need to practice being present and engaged because there's so many things that distract us, but what really matters are the people in front of us. People say that if you want to know what's important to you, look at how you spend your money. I have a different saying. I like to say, if you really want to know what matters to you, look at how you spend your time. Time is one of our greatest and most limited resources. It's not like we can increase the amount of seconds or or minutes in a day. No, it's finite. There's nothing we can do to increase the amount of time that we have. And even when we look at our lives, we have a finite number of days here on earth. I think time is a greater indicator of what we treasure because unlike money, we can't increase the amount of time that we have. How we spend our time shows what we value or how much we value it. Right? For instance, something with, for instance, even with something like being late, when we're late to meetings, what we're saying is the person that we're meeting doesn't matter to us because their time doesn't matter to us. When we're late to church or when we leave before service ends, what does that say about how we value worship? What we invest our time in shows what we value and how much we value it. How are you spending your time today? What is it that you value above everything else? Is it money and security? Do you find yourself spending all of your time at work? Is it recreation or leisure? Do you find yourself spending most of your time on the golf course or on the basketball court? These are all good things, but are they more important than the people that God brings into your life? Are they more important than your husband or your wife? Are they more important than your children? Are they more important than your church community? What are we willing to give up? I think the main reason why we fail to encourage each other with our presence is because of our busyness. We think that we are too busy, or maybe we're just too self-absorbed about what's going on in our own lives that we can't make time for other people. But Christ's exalting encouragement requires us to extend God's grace and love each other by making time for one another. We are busier than ever, but we will make time for the things that we care about. My wife Esther is not one to share about her feelings. Uh, She's an introvert, a lot more introverted than I am. And so it's rare where she shares with me without me um, prodding her. But recently she just shared how it's been so much easier for her to build community in this life stage that she's in as a mother. It's been really good and easy to meet other mothers who are going through similar experiences or have gone through other similar experiences. And so the whole parenting thing has been really hard on us and especially for Esther, especially at the the beginning, probably the first two months. And it's been really encouraging that she has mothers, people, sisters who will walk with her through it. There's one time where we were really encouraged because we had a sister, a friend of ours, who actually had a baby a month before us come and spend time with us. She had heard that that Esther was struggling, so she came over. She made the time in her busy schedule to come over with her baby in hand just so that she can spend time with Esther and allow Esther to vent. The whole time, all Esther did was just complain and vent about the baby, and rightfully so. But this sister made sure that she was available and present just to hear Esther out. She made the trek out to Cliffside Park with her baby in hand, a newborn, because she cared about us. 
We become Jesus incarnate as we care for and love people through our presence. And that day, that sister became Jesus to us. Christ's exalting encouragement begins with being present with people. You have the chance to be Jesus to another today. Who is God leading you towards? To be encouraged, it starts with being present. And the second way that we can be encouraged is by being vehicles of God's provision. Being vehicles of God's provision. Paul found people to partner up with in his mission to spread the good news of Jesus. Right? There was Barnabas. Remember Barnabas, the encourager? Barnabas was the one who sold off his field and gave the proceeds to the church so that he could strengthen the church. He was also the one who stuck up for and encouraged Paul when the disciples didn't accept him and didn't accept his transformation. And then there was Timothy, young Timothy. Right? Young Timothy was the one who accompanied Paul as he visited these established churches. And here we read of seven men who accompanied Paul in his journey. Starting in verse 4, it says, He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These seven men weren't just accompanying Paul in his journey but they were actually representatives of the Gentile church that had collected an offering for the Jerusalem church. This offering would serve as a concrete expression of love, solidarity, and support for their Jewish brothers and sisters. When we provide for the needs of others like the Gentile church did for the Jewish church, we are being vehicles of God's provision. As we give, we're proclaiming to others that God is in control and he provides for his people. When distinct, what distinguished the early church was their generous hearts for the people in need, right? That included people within the church, but also outside of it. It was the love and generosity of the early believers that helped the, grow, that helped the church grow and expand. When we love and encourage one another by providing for each other's needs, the unbelieving world sees that we are Jesus' disciples because we are Jesus incarnate. People are able to experience the power and love of God in their lives when they see God's people give. And giving doesn't just mean financially. I think oftentimes when we talk about needs, we're always thinking money or or finances. To provide for the needs of others is to stand in the gap for them. To be in need means that we're lacking something. And just as Jesus stood in the gap for us between our sin and God the Father, We need to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters. Something that I've learned through Pastor Shirley, our special needs pastor, is that we all have needs, right? Whether it's special needs or other needs, we all have needs, and we need people to stand in the gap for us and be Jesus to us. It doesn't always have to be these grand gestures or these great needs that we fulfill. Even the smallest act of kindness could have the greatest impact. What is the need that God is leading you to fulfill? Is it to start a relationship with a brother or sister who's struggling with loneliness? Is it to provide a meal for new parents who are too busy to care for themselves because they're caring for their newborn? Is it to serve in one of the ministries at church in need of volunteers? Maybe it's the nursing home ministry. We have this great ministry, the nursing home ministry, where every month we go out to the nursing home here in Englewood just to be with the elderly. The elderly are one of the most neglected and overlooked people groups. 
And all we do is show up and spend time with them. All they really want is to be able to interact with people. How might God use you to be a vehicle of his provision? Our youth mission team leaves in two days. We're going to South Africa. And I just want to say thank you for all the support and prayers. And even in the preparation, it's been months now, but we've seen God work in so many wonderful ways. We've seen God provide in so many different ways. And one in particular way I think is so encouraging to me and also my team is we have this chaperone, one of our chaperones, who a few weeks into committing to going on this mission trip had shared that she was struggling with actually dropping out of it. She was thinking that she was maybe too busy, she had too much on her plate, and she didn't know if she would be able to raise the funds to actually be able to go because she had so many other things and so many other fundraisers to do for other organizations. And so as she wrestled with this idea of dropping out, right at that moment, God provided in a powerful way. An anonymous donor gave her an envelope, and the amount in the envelope covered most of the cost of the trip. She shared that with our team, and for all of us, we were encouraged because it was a testimony of God's provision. Nobody knew that she was struggling with this. Nobody knew that she was wrestling with the idea of dropping out, but God knew, and he provided. When we stand in the gap for others, we point to the Savior who stood in the gap for us. By meeting people's needs, we point others to a God who is in control of all and provides for all. Christ's exalting encouragement requires us to be, first, present, second, vehicles of God's provision, and third, to be witnesses of God's grace. To be witnesses of God's grace. The meeting in Troas left the people encouraged. We're told in verse 12, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Once again, the word parakaleo. The people left encouraged because they had witnessed God's grace at work. And God's grace can be defined as his unmerited and unearned favor for us. God loves us and is for us, not because we deserve it, but because he's good. This gathering in Troas experienced God's grace through the word that was spoken through Paul and by the miracle that had been performed. They left transformed by what they had seen and by what they had heard. To be a witness of God's grace, we need to be hearers of his word and witnesses of his work. Men, women, and children stayed up all night so that they could hear Paul teach. They didn't want to miss a single word of what he had to say. They listened and received God's word with gladness. Are we lovers of God's word? Are we desperate for it? Do we long for it? Would we pull an all-nighter just so that we can hear the word of God being spoken? The Bible is God's words to us. It is his love letter to you and to me. When we read the word of God, we can be greatly encouraged because we learn that God from the very beginning of time has been pursuing after us. When we look at the beginning with Adam and Eve, it was God who goes looking after Adam and Eve after they hid in shame after sinning. And not only that, it was Jesus who gave up equality with God to come down from heaven down to earth to be our savior. The Bible is about God's love for us and his pursuit of us. If you're unsure of your standing with God, all you have to do is read the word and know that he really, really loves you. 
that there is nothing that could separate you from his great love. And so if you're in need of encouragement today, please pick up the Bible and read it. The source of all encouragement is Jesus. Jesus is the living word. If you feel overwhelmed and tired right now, or if you are in a place of despair and weariness, please pick up this book. This is all that you need to endure through the hardships. This is what's going to give you the strength to fight on. Secondhand knowledge of God once a week on a Sunday isn't going to cut it. We need to be serious about God's word. Being a witness of God's grace requires us to know the word of God, but it also requires us to be witnesses of his grace by the sharing of testimonies. The people who are gathered in Troas left with a great testimony of God's presence and power. Those who saw Eutychus rise from the dead stood as witnesses of what happened that night. They had a testimony to share. Can you imagine the conversation that they were having as they went home? Talking about the marvel of God, talking about his power, everything that had happened that night. You better believe that they went and shared it with everyone that they came across. God worked a miracle that day, and I believe that God still works miracles today. Right? What do you call a changed heart in a life surrendered to Jesus? It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit and God that he can change hearts. Because if it was left to us, every single time we would choose to sin. The greatest testimony is the story that you have to share about how God transformed your life. When we can share what God is doing in our lives, we're encouraging others by being proof that God still reigns today. He is the king above all kings and he reigns today. And your life is proof of that. While people may try to argue against the Bible, no one can argue against your story and what God is doing in and through you. I have a testimony to share this morning. I have been greatly encouraged by our young people. God is doing something amazing in our children. And I just want to give a shout out to our middle schoolers. I am the high school pastor, so I'm a little jealous of Pastor IJ. But I just wanted to give a shout out to our middle schoolers because they are doing Christ's exalting work. Not many of you know this, but we have a bunch of middle schoolers who are actually volunteering on the setup ministry. The chairs that you are sitting in today was set up by them. They wake up six in the morning to come to church early, sacrificing sleep so that the church could be set up, that worship could take place, and God can be exalted. They should be encouragement for all of us. They're doing Christ's exalting work. They're making themselves available. They're making themselves present so that they can set up the church, not for themselves, because they don't use the space, but for you and I, so that we could worship because we matter to them. They are fulfilling a need. One of the reasons why they stepped up in this way is because Pastor IJ's recruited them. The setup ministry has been short-staffed, and so Pastor IJ is being, has been a modern-day Paul and trying to get people, trying to get his kids to accompany him, partner up with him in blessing the church. God is doing a good work in our young people, and the evidence of that is that they embody what it is to be a Christ-exalting encourager. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. God calls each of us to be encourager. And the way that the world is going to see who Jesus is is by the way that we love and encourage one another, by being present, by being vehicles of God's provision, and by being witnesses of God's grace. Can we follow the lead of our young ones today by encouraging each other today?
Can we be a Christ-exalting encourager? Would you bow with me as I pray? I believe that there are some people in this room who are going through a hardship right now. And if that's you, just please raise your hand. Just acknowledge your need for God in this moment. I believe that there's people who are struggling with loss. There's people who are struggling with doubts. There's people who are struggling with fears. There's people who are struggling physically. And if that's you, God wants you to know that he's got your back. God wants you to know that he's with you in this moment as you're dealing with those things. God, we thank you for who you are and all that you do in our lives. We thank you, God, that you never leave us nor forsake us, but that you are for us. God, I just want to lift up those who are struggling today. those who are struggling in their marriages, those who are struggling with their bodies, who are hurting physically, those who are struggling with their doubts and their fears, those who are struggling with sin. God, I want to lift up these brothers and sisters because it's only you who can heal them. It's only you who can bring freedom. It's only you who could break our chains. So thank you, God, for who you are and all that you do and all that you will do in our lives. Help us, Father, to take your word seriously, to know, God, that part of our faith and what it means to be a part of a community is to be an encourager, that we are not here to divide the church, but we are here to unite it. I pray, Father, that you would convict us and give us the boldness to be encouraged, to be able to see and to be aware of the people around us, who you are calling us to love, who you are calling us to serve. God, we're all busy, but we're never too busy for you, and we should never be too busy for our brother or sister. And so, God, help us to be available and present to the people that you're calling us to. Help us to be vehicle of vehicles of your provision to show not only them, but the world that you are a God who is alive today and works for his people. Help us to be a witness of your grace by sharing our testimonies, God. I believe that each and every one of us in this room has a testimony to share. You are working and you are active in our lives. So may we have the boldness to exalt you, to proclaim you to this world by sharing our story, God. Because in our stories, you are the hero. So thank you, God, for your word this morning. Thank you, God, for how you are working in our lives right now. And we ask, Lord, that we would just submit to you, to, holy, to surrender wholly to you, God. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you have your communication cards, if you could just pull it out. Uh, there's a couple of next steps that I'd like to go over with you. If you have the app on your phone, um, you can find the next steps on there also. But the first, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time. This is the greatest commitment that you can make. 
And if this is you, please just check that off. And we have a table called the next table out those double doors where those can be a pastor just to answer any of your questions that you may have and also give you resources. But the Bible says the angels rejoice right, when his people exalt him, when, when we exalt him and when we give our lives to Jesus. So if that's you, please just check that off, committing your life to Jesus for the first time. Second, sign me up for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we're doing a 21 days of prayer and fasting, as Pastor Peter mentioned. Um, and so we want to just be able to lift up the church. There's a lot of things happening, a lot of events happening, but also there's a lot of needs. And so as a church, can we unite together just to lift up our church community and the things that God has placed on our hearts to do in this coming year? Third, I will sign up to serve in a ministry in the church. There's a lot of ministries that are in need of volunteers. Um, there's the frontline ministry, there's children's ministry, there's the setup ministry, there's so many ministries. If you're not serving yet, please, can I encourage you just to, to sign up, right? This is your way of serving God. This is your way that you can exalt God and share, people, share God to others. And the last, I'm actually going to change it up because there, are, there aren't any official small groups that are meeting right now. And so for the last one, I'm going to change it to, I will sign up to serve in the nursing home ministry. Like I mentioned in the, the sermon, the elderly are one of the most overlooked people. And all they're wanting is to be able to interact with people, people to love on them. And so we go out every month, once a month, to the nursing home here in Angoy. And so if that's you, if you feel convicted, if you feel um, just moved to be able to serve these people, just check that off. Uh, and we'll get more information about when it's going to be.